If you're new, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And we are kicking off a brand new series. Uh, I have the privilege of kicking that off today. And then for the next eight weeks, we will be getting in small groups. Uh, hopefully you're in a small group. If you're not, get the table five today and uh, make sure you sign up to get in one. We also have a, uh, a booklet written by our own pastor, Jeff Lucas, and it's really good. And what it is, it's basically one page a day for the next eight weeks that we're going to ask you to read. And I think it's really cool to think about thousands of people reading the exact same thing every day. And I think when we come back at the end of the week, it'll be fun to see the a unified effort of worship and praise and, and themes around what we've been talking about. We also did a DVD for each session in your small groups with our teaching team to talk a little bit about each of these topics. And so we're going to just take these topics, we're going to break the Lord's Prayer down into eight different categories using the words that are in the Lord's Prayer. And I really think you'll enjoy it. We certainly have enjoyed it. If you're, I'm not really a, a hardback uh book guy. I love reading on my devices. So we have this on the front page of our website in PDF form. So if you don't want to pick one of these up, just go to the website, literally download it right there and put it on any device you want, and then you'll have it with you anywhere you go. So uh, encounter. We want us to be able to encounter the things of God. I was thinking a lot. We've done a lot of research over these past months as, as a teaching team, looking, praying, feeling what What's the heart of this series? What are we trying to accomplish? And I have the privilege today and this weekend to try to kind of set the table for some of the things that we're going to learn and, and maybe talk a little bit about why the Lord's Prayer. Is the Lord's Prayer something we're supposed to take seriously? Is it something we're supposed to memorize and say it every day? What's the purpose of it? Why did it even come about? And then the topic of prayer itself. Fascinatingly enough, I... Uh, in, in researching all this, I, I came across several non-faith-based books and, and writings that said things like, every culture in the world from the beginning of time, every tribe in every land, every country, every place known to man, people have always reached out for a higher power, a bigger-than-me God, even if they didn't call it God. It might have been the wind or the sea, but there's this longing in people's hearts. It's almost like at creation, the way I believe it is at creation, God put a DNA in mankind that would immediately have a spirit man inside of them. And there is a constant search for what the meaning of life is from that spirit side of mankind. And so prayer... Reaching out is, is a very important part of pretty much any religion. How people pray is different. Who they pray to is different. But as we focus on the Lord's Prayer and we sort of narrow this down to what Jesus' intention was, I think we can learn a lot about prayer. The first thing that I want you to jot down in your outline, if you have a program with you, just turn it over to the back. I have a few thoughts here with fill in the blanks is this. Why did the disciples say, teach us to pray? Because that's how this whole thing started. That's why Jesus did it. I don't know if he would have done it had they not asked him to. But there was a, a lot of confusion about prayer. You would say, why in the world? This is Jewish culture. A lot of different um, groups that called themselves 
themselves religious, and there were prayers going up three times a day. There was prayer all around them. Why in the world would they, they come to Jesus and say, teach us to pray? Because they saw this every day. Well, I think it was because they knew not everybody was getting it right. There was a lot of pressure the way that religious leaders were teaching people to pray. They were teaching people that there were a lot of conditions to pray, especially the Pharisees. There were certain formulas that you had to have in order to really reach God, to prove that you were serious about God. It's almost like the old Pavlov dog story that you learned in school about condition and response and the bell rings and the dogs salivate because they know the food is coming. It's almost like if I pray hard enough, I can know there's going to be a response from God and I can practically earn my way into God hearing my prayer. And so I think we have cultures today in our world. Sadly enough, it's, I had a lot of sorrow in in studying prayer, especially in other cultures, people literally, to this day, this still happens in our world every single day. People have certain tools that they use in order to harm themselves when they pray. They beat themselves on their back. Some rituals involve cutting themselves and bleeding so that they can show their sincerity for walking with God, and they believe somehow that this will help them get God's attention even more. There is nothing farther from the truth in Scripture. You do not have to put yourself in a tormented state in order for God to hear your prayer. Help is sufficient. God hears it. He looks at your heart. He sees the motive of your heart. So don't be deceived by these things involving pain and suffering. They're simply not true. That's why Jesus was willing. He didn't say to the disciples when they said, teach us to pray. He didn't say, oh, come on, guys. You know how to pray. Why are you asking me that? Not at all. He just went into this whole story about prayer. And the second thing in your outline that I have to do before we get to the Our Father, which we're talking about today, what are some things that prayer is not? Because before Jesus dives into starting the Lord's Prayer, which starts, which starts with two words, Our Father, we're going to look at those, he spends quite a bit of time telling them how you shouldn't pray and what not to do. And I'm going to read that. In Matthew 6, which is where the Lord's Prayer is found, I'm going to go up above where the Lord's Prayer is found, and I'm going to read the conditions and some of the things Jesus is saying that prayer is not. Follow along. Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. So Jesus is really trying to set the tone here for some ways not to pray. And by the way, these were the models that the disciples had been exposed to. Some, some terrible things that people were doing in prayer. I have a couple sub-points here that I want you to just jot down. 
that are ways not to pray. And that is this. First of all, do not seek attention when you pray. This is about you and God, your Father. This is about you finding a way and a place to be separate from someone else, anyone else, even though corporate prayer is of God too. He's talking about here, don't pray in a way that seeks attention. They literally had in Jesus' day, you could hire people to come and give a special prayer over a funeral. They had people who were really good at praying prayers of mourning, mourning, you know what I mean, sorrow. And they would take Old Testament verses. They had, they had some who were really good at praying prayers of celebration, and they could be hired, and they would come, and for 5, 10, 15 minutes, their prayer would be filled with Old Testament scriptures, and, and it was a prayer of blessing. And what happened is the culture just got caught up in this, and Jesus is saying, these guys take a lot of pride in the stuff they know. They stand on the street corners. They lift their voice and they pray these glorious prayers. They are wordsmiths. But that's not important and that's not what God is looking for. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't like to pray in public at all. How many of you would just as soon never pray out loud in front of people again in your whole life? Okay, quite a few of you. I get that. You know, I grew up in a household where we prayed for our meals and we just literally... Uh, everyone had a turn. So I learned really young to just say a prayer, whether it was memorized or thanks for the meat, let's eat. You know, sometimes I didn't mean it at all. <laughs> I, I have quite a few of those I won't bore you with now. But Bonnie, my wife, um, she grew up in a home where they, they didn't do that. Now she prayed, she prayed every night kind of to herself because she knew God was real. But she really discovered a personal relationship with Jesus Right before we got married, we were like eight months married. Actually, right when we got married, um, I was doing an internship with Bible College in, in Hendersonville, Tennessee, outside of Nashville, and in a very Pentecostal church. And Bonnie was very withdrawn, and she, didn't, she wasn't used to all these expressions of worship. And so she joined me four months in. We got married, moved all of our stuff down there. The church was very excited to get this new bride and the women decided to have a brunch for Bonnie to welcome her. Now, that was pretty cool. And so about 30 women were there, and they're just about to, uh, they have food, and someone gives Bonnie a gift, and they say, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to the church. Uh, we love you already. And then they said, the leader said, would you just pray over our food? And Bonnie just gulped, and she said, Oh, I'm sorry, but I just don't do that. <laughs> their, their eyes are like this big around, like looking at each other going, Oh, okay, then Martha, why don't you pray over the food? When Bonnie got home that night, she said, I hope I didn't get you in trouble. That's always a bad sign, you know. I hope, she said that a lot early in our marriage. I hope I didn't get you in trouble today. And, and she said, I hope they didn't think I meant I don't pray. I just meant I'm, I would be petrified to pray a prayer out loud. And so that to me is such a pure heart that she had because she loved God, but she just really didn't think that her praying to God had anyone else in it. And that's refreshing and that's encouraging. So don't work on praying good, big, powerful prayers in front of people. Don't seek attention. The second little subpoint here is do not try to convince God through repetition. That doesn't help. Jesus is trying to make another point 
from another cultural problem that was happening here. Um, some of you may have even grown up in a faith where you were taught to memorize certain prayers and say it five times. You go say nine of these. You go say six of these. That's not evil, but it's just not what prayer really is. And, and, and that's what Jesus is addressing exactly. And, and he's saying, you don't have to get before God and say, Gimme, 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 gimme. You don't have to say heal him, 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 heal him. You know, five thousand times, and then God's gonna finally go, okay, okay. You're wearing me out here. The other day, I was in a, I was in the grocery store, and this cute little boy. I mean, he was probably two or three, and he was a live wire. I mean, he was running all around pulling stuff off, and his mom was doing a great job, honestly, because he was just a hyper kid, you could tell. And, and every time he found something that he wanted, he would, every time we would loop into a new aisle, there's candy over there, you know, by the checkout. He'd run over there and go, Mama, Mama, can I please have just one, just one, just one, just, just one piece, just one, just one, I promise, just one, I won't ask you anymore, just one, just one. And if I would have been her, I would have been like, yes. Let's get something in your mouth right now. And let's get something that takes a long time to finish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so God isn't like that. God isn't waiting for you to nag him into doing it. Where he's just, you're just wearing him out. And, and you shouldn't use prayer as a punishment. You know, go, go say all these prayers and you might have a chance at forgiveness. We talked about that on Easter that's not, that's not what prayer is. And so God's trying to say, don't do all this stuff. Don't buy all these lies. Okay, let's get into the our Father. Number three, what are the implications of our Father? Emphasis on our. Why did Jesus start the prayer with that word, our? A lot of reasons. Lot, you know, you can buy books, I mean, these, these scholars spend, you know, a hundred pages on discussing why he started with the word hour. So it's hard to bring all these complicated thoughts, um, you know, in a weekend like this. But let me just tell you, it is significant because Jesus didn't start by saying, my father. He wanted to immediately connect us. He wanted to immediately have this moment where the disciples are set back when he says, our Father. And you'll, you'll see this, we'll talk about this as we go through this week after week. He, he kept it that way the whole prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Forgive us. It's, it's always us. Why? Because we are his kids. And, and I think this hour is a big deal because he's saying, I am the creator of everyone that has ever been born. It goes way back to the Garden of Eden in the very, very beginning. It's my breath that brought life to mankind. And so we will always and forever be connected. That's really a wonderful thing when you think about it that you really are my sister. You really are my brother. And I know we have thousands of years between us and genealogies in different countries, but at the end of the day, we have one father. And, and if I know that and I pay attention to that, then I'm, I feel closer to you already. Look, for instance, I have four sisters. I love all of them. They're very precious to me. 
And if, if I was with my four sisters in one sitting and I said something like, ladies, we should talk to mom about this. It would, it would be a statement that we would all feel our bond because we came from one source. Let's talk to mom or dad. And, and boom, we would be going, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Why? Because we know that we're family. And that's how it is sometimes when we pray for each other. Up here in the front, our prayer team. Or when, when I lead you at the end and we pray and I say, church, help me pray for these. We say, Lord, help our brother, help our sister. I know it's, it's gone away and I don't want to bring it back. But I grew up in a church where, you know, they called my mom and dad Brother Northrop and Sister Northrop. How many of you had that somewhere in your past, you know? And everything was brother and sister. And that's, it's kind of an, a neat thing because it was just a reminder that we really are brothers. People didn't, I thought it was just because people couldn't remember someone's first name. <laughs> and that might have been true too. <laughs> but we are family. And we do have this one father. And it is significant that we uh, somehow are not just me, myself, and I, but we are we, ourselves, and us when it comes to godly things and the kingdom of God. Have you ever, have you ever said to someone, man, you look, like, you look more like your dad every day, or you look so much like your mom? And, and what that is is it's the recognition of a, of a connection there, the bond, the, the genes, the cells, or you call someone, this happened to me the other day, and I thought I had him on the line. They said, I think you, I think you want to talk to my dad. And I'm like, dude, you sound just like your dad. It's incredible. Why? That DNA, that something that brings us together, we have that. And I think that's powerful too because the Bible actually says the people who are not believers are going to know you guys by the love you have for each other. That's our mark more than anything else. So we start to look alike. Not in our physical look, but in our behaviors, in how we love and how we care, what makes us cry and what makes us laugh. Suddenly we are a people, the people of God, and we have so much in common. And I want us to be that kind of a big family and pay attention to what that means for us because that's exactly how Jesus meant it. I think about this next um, idea, number four, in your outline. What are the implications of the word father? Yes, it's our father, but what does it mean when Jesus says the word father? It's a very intimate word. It's very important. It's very precious. And he starts with it. It's not just, oh, God Almighty out there somewhere. It's our Father. Now he's talking to who? He's talking to these Jewish leaders who would understand the word Father had to do with legacy and genealogy. Their Bible was the Old Testament. And so what they knew of Father would be Father God, Creator, but then that genealogy, they would immediately think of the forefathers. That's what they, they call them, the forefathers. Like Father Abraham. Had many sons. <laughs> he did. That's why people wrote a song about it. Father, you know, and, and everything's going to come out of Father Abraham. And so they're looking at this genealogy, and they're looking at real connections in their bloodline. 
And so this is very meaningful to them. It doesn't mean quite as much to us until we look at what this word is. It, it identifies covenant with Israel. It's more than saying boss. It's more than saying uncle or leader or president or Mr. CEO of the universe. It's father. And the word father is intimate and it's special and it's very meaningful. It's saying I am a part of you and you are a part of me. Father implies heart and soul, connection between us. Martin Luther, in reading some of his things, he suggests this as to why Jesus started the Lord's Prayer with our Father. He said, it's because we are invited to believe that God is our real Father and we are his real sons and daughters. Knowing this, then, we can pray with confidence and with trust. Why? Because there's relationship there. I need to pause and make something really clear for this whole series as we are going to say the Lord's Prayer together these next eight weeks at the end. When we say our Father, do not get confused about Father God and your earthly Father. This prayer is not trying to say God is like your dad. This is such a big misunderstanding, and I end up trying to help fix this with people over and over and over. And, and I, you know, if you say, well, I had a horrible relationship with my father. How can I pray our father? I don't even want. What you're doing is you're, you're dragging in a terrible relationship that God never intended for you to identify with this prayer. When you say our Father in the Lord's Prayer, it's basically you're saying this is God like no other earthly father could ever be. Even if you had the greatest dad in the world and you love him, your heavenly father, you can't even compare him to your earthly father. No, this is the dad you, you could dream. It's the perfect father that would do all things well, that would always be there for you in our lives. Does that make sense? So please, those of you that have been wounded by your earthly father, get that in another category from the Lord's Prayer. That's not where it fits. Your earthly father is perfect and loves you and created you and dreams and thinks about you and has plan for your life. Well, let's, let's bullet through some of these takeaways. You know, how, what are some things that we can actually practice? Here's what we want to do. Each week, we're, gonna, we're not trying to load you up with a bunch of work, but because we're reading through this, and because we're having some fun walking through the prayer, we are going to try to challenge you uh, every week with just maybe something you can do uh, and think of and ask you to respond. So the first thing I want you to write down, number one under what are some things that we can practice, is finding a private place to pray. Here's what I'd like. I would love for you to get creative and to say, what are the spaces in my life where I could go build a little space to pray, and it doesn't have to be every day. As a matter of fact, Pastor Bob Seal challenged us in our chapel, all of our staff last Wednesday. He said, why don't we lead the way at Timberline, and why don't we, we think of one hour at some point every week for the next eight weeks, just one hour in that week, we're gonna really give to God in prayer, meditation, whatever it is. How many of you think that's possible for you? Okay, maybe you've never tried it before, but we're not trying to say pray an hour a day, 
you know, you'd be overwhelmed with that and feel guilty tomorrow. <laughs> so, so let's say at some point in your week and get, make a special place. I would love to see you like um, go outside maybe in your yard at, at, with all this nice weather. And then maybe it's a certain recliner that you like. Maybe it's a, a walk that you want to have for an hour as you pray. Um, maybe it's your hot tub. I don't know. But I, here's what I would love. I would love to get some pictures of your prayer spot and have you email them to the contact us at Timberline and let us put them up on the screen as we continue the Lord's Prayer. How many of you would consider that? Okay, good. Okay, I'm going to hold you to it. And you don't even have to put your name on it if you don't. And, and you don't have to send us one of you going. <laughs> you know, just the spot where you're praying. Maybe you have a fountain or a backyard. It'll give people ideas as we go. I think this is about hanging out with God. Number two, think more about what we say. Talk slow in this prayer time with God. When you pray, you don't have to hurry, you don't have to rush because God is not in a hurry and you don't have to yell, he isn't deaf. I grew up in a culture where, man, pastors would pray loud prayers. Matter of fact, I remember this one time. I was at a meeting where I was the guest speaker, and they brought in pastors all around me. It was at like a, a, a conference thing for pastors. And I'm pretty conversational. You know, every now and then my passion comes out and I get a little loud, but, but not like some of those boys in the South, you know. And so they, we were talking like this, okay, at that, I'll come up there. You're going to transition after this one song, and we're praying for you, dearie. And someone said, okay, well, let's just really pray right now. So we join hands, and all of a sudden it goes like this. Oh, God, help us right now. We believe the Spirit of God is going to come on this place. I'm just like going, woo. So, so God doesn't have to, you know, have the volume up, and we don't have to change our voice or change our tone when we pray. Okay? Very important. Maybe write a prayer. Maybe journal. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe write a poem. Maybe take your guitar if you play guitar and go to that place and write a song, a prayer to God. Get creative. Number three, pray to your heavenly Father. I'm going to do this. I actually already started doing this, and uh, I always pray to Jesus, usually, Lord. I, I usually start my prayer with, Lord, I love you today. I thank you so. It's been fun to kind of transition that just to say, my Father. Our Father, Father, and get that in my head, and it makes me feel more connected to the whole thing that we've been talking about today. Envision the perfect Father. Number four, say less and listen more. Man, I think, I wonder if we ever just wear God out. Talkity, 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 talk. Yakity, yakity, yak. Maybe just stop. And, and think about what you're saying and maybe just listen. Maybe just that be still and know that I am God. That's connection with prayer. I, that same grocery store I was in where the little boy was doing the thing, there was a couple in line and they weren't talking, they weren't looking at each other and he just reached back and took his wife by her hand standing in line. And it touched me. And he's still looking over here and she's still looking over here. But you could see their hand kind of moving, rubbing each other's fingers. And, and I thought, I think they like each other. And I think that's what I want this time to be like with, with you and God is that you just, you just take his hand and you just be with him. And you won't be afraid to be with him. 
I still remember a couple times when my dad came and put his arm around me and kind of pulled me in tight. I was about 12 years old, the last one I remember that. And he said, I'm proud of you, son. And wow, how much more would my heavenly father? So we're going we're gonna to do an experiment. Uh, each week we're going to try to have a little encounter moment. I promise we won't make it weird or, or spooky. But would you mind just trying this? Close your eyes for a moment. And just put yourself in a place where you can really hear God speak to you in this moment. And I want you to just rest, calm your heart. And in the silence, you know that there's someone coming down your row that's going to sit down by you. And you know it's your Heavenly Father. And you know that He loves you and believes but you're anticipating it. And I want you with your eyes closed to just let your mind imagine feeling him come and sit down beside you and put his arm around you and just tug you in tight. And he leans over to you and he says, I love you and I believe in you. I love you and I believe in you. And all I want you to do now is just to in light of those words, give some kind of a response back to your Heavenly Father. Tell Him what that means to you that He said that to you right now. Just take a few moments and I'll go silent. does love you and he does believe in you would you put your attention to the screens as we say it together there are many renditions of the Lord's Prayer but I want you to just follow along with this one and if it's not how you memorized it well sorry about that because everyone says it just a little different but try to follow along our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. One last moment I want to pray for some of you who would just maybe lift a hand to say, would you pray for me concerning my relationship with my earthly father? Because that's always been a hindrance to me. It's not a good one. And I just feel like I want to pray over you as we've talked about father today. Um, could I just do that if you'd say, pray for me? I, I'm, I'm in that place. Okay, church, we're family. Help me pray. I'm going to lead us. But agree with me for so many that don't have that relationship with their own dad. Lord, thank you that you understand the pain in our hearts, the grief that we've had, whether it's some our fault or all their fault or little of both. We don't care. We just say today, 
Would you bring healing and restoration to this earthly relationship? And Heavenly Father, would you let my brother and my sister know that lifted their hand today that you are their perfect Father and you love them and you care about the pain this has brought into their lives and continue to restore them for your purposes. We give all this to you, Lord. We thank you. Show us how to live connected in a greater way. And if anyone is here without Christ, I pray right now, Lord, that they would confess their sin and turn to you and believe on you and, and be a follower of you. For the glory of God, we pray this. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I love you guys. It's fascinating to me that that word is Abba, that word. We say daddy or dada. And that uh, those little children were growing up saying, they couldn't say Abba, they would say Baba. <laughs> but it's the same idea when they're learning. So don't be afraid to cry out to this special name, Father, Abba God. Amen.